Greetings, Earthwalkers. I'm Shrya. And I'm your DM, Ethan. Welcome to Venture Forth. Previously, the party had traveled through the city of Blackpool to discover the nature of these mysterious crystals that you guys possessed. After a mysterious encounter with a half-orc named Drek, you guys eventually came to a warehouse that was housing a myriad of possibly magical items being shipped across the nation. And after being led in, you guys discovered a disassembled warforge named Thaddeus. Upon opening the box that contained Thaddeus, he seemed to recognize March, but not as March, rather as her long-lost twin sister, Amity. Realizing this, March knew that she had to travel south to try and meet up with her twin and, and see if she was still alive and, sorry, what the story was behind that. So after you guys parted ways, you guys, the rest of the party had continued on to the city of Solaris. Um, You guys went to an inn that Thaddeus had directed you guys to. Thaddeus had talked to the innkeeper to try and get in contact with the person who was going to sort of wipe any magical uh, markers that you guys have on you. You guys went upstairs, you guys each found your beds, and you guys fell asleep. So, Shreya, waking up the next morning... You open your eyes, a little bit groggy, and you could see now at this point, the sun is just rising up over the horizon. You can see it through the window, and you can see that the golden light is now beginning to fill the room, and about three quarters of the room are now filled with with this bright morning light. As you rustle awake, you hear a jingling beside you. This is the first thing that you notice. A little jingling beside you, and and you look, and you see, just in a nice, neat little pile beside you, some gold, silver, and copper. Uh, I reach over, I look around uh, to see if anyone's looking, and uh, the gold catches my eye, and I like it, and uh, I'm gonna grab it. So as you uh, stuff the money into your bag, you're sort of looking around, and you take note that both Kellick and Olma are no longer in the room. Um, it seems that you look over to where Kellick was sleeping, and um, you see that uh, the bed that he was was sleeping in is very nicely made. Um, it's it's sort of put back into its place, as as well as where Olma was sleeping. Um, you didn't hear any ruckus during the night, so you can safely assume that they just took a day to themselves. Um, they went out and they they started doing their own thing. On the other hand, you do see in the room, Flynn cuddled up right on the edge of the bed, all sort of nestled in, his backpack still there, leaning up against the bedpost. And you also see the head of Thaddeus on the dresser, sort of in a dormant, almost sleeping state, not quite awake yet. Um, so as you're looking around, is there anything you want to do in the room? I sort of, I'm going to mutter under my breath, uh, let the little ones sleep. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to look out. Is there is there a window in this in this room? 
There is I a think window. You said there was. I want to look yeah. out the window. Okay. Um, you look out the window, and you can see at this point, um, people have uh, already set up their shops uh, for the day. Um, people are wheeling out the produce carts from inside to sort of make these little outdoor displays right in front of the the shops. Everyone is, um, you know, conversing at this point, um, and it seems like. These are some pretty early risers. Um, you can see, for the most part, a mostly dwarven population, um, especially the shop owners, the people who seem to have permanent residence here, um, almost exclusively dwarves. And uh, as you look out, you also see, walking down the street, a pair of dwarven guards um, looking to be the garrison of the city. Um, they are walking step in step right next to each other in full plate armor. As they sort of walk down the street and get closer to where you are, you can hear the armor clanking back and forth as these are like heavy, heavy sets of armor. Um, but as they walk down the street, you take note that while people and shop owners are conversing with each other, conversing with the customers that are coming in. Um, no attention is being paid to the guards, and the guards, in turn, are not paying any attention to the people, it seems. Um, there doesn't really seem to be any fear, necessarily. It just seems like a mutual leave-each-other-alone type of deal. And that was actually my next question. Um, in the limited experience I have with uh, large population urban centers, uh do I, could I get a sense of, just by looking out there, whether this city is uh, in a peaceful, um, not chaotic uh, sentiment, or does it, you know, does it look like there's a layer of fear hovering in the streets? For sure. Um, I'm going to have you make an insight check. Great. Uh, that is a 16. A 16, nice. So you would have noticed just looking out over the street right now, as well as when you entered the city the previous night, um, especially you you got a firsthand look um, coming through the gate um, that to enter the city. It's a very orderly place. Um, mm. There was a very defined couple of lines to get into the city. There were a couple of checkpoints in order to get in. And um, there just seems to be a sense of lawfulness and order over the city. Not necessarily fear, but just sort of like an understanding of of the law here. Hmm. Behaviors not like a river that flows neatly from one bend to the next. Hmm. And I, and I, I, I sort of, I keep muttering to myself as I rub my eyes and start, you know, kind of lilting out the door, down the steps, scratch, scratch my head. I must get to know this place more. Uh, and I'm going to go down into the uh, into the lower level. Okay. Um, just before you step out of the room, um, you there are two things. Um, first thing is you notice right above the dresser um, is a framed map of the city. Um, sort of framed there and, and hung very nicely. Um, you can see different sections of the city. You can see recommendations for shops. You can see recommendations for restaurants, um, sort of sightseeing places to go. So before you actually head out, is there anywhere that you want to look in particular to just sort of get a general direction? 
Oh, sure. Uh, so as I'm thinking about the different areas that I want to check out and how I can figure out this, you know, the sense of the city that I've just gotten, uh, I'm going to look at the map and try to glean where, like, social gathering places might be. For sure, for sure. Um, so you see probably three places that would pique your interest. Um, you see a little cluster of, um, like, taverns and restaurants um, that, you know, people need to eat. There are probably people there. Um, and you know that taverns are usually ripe with lively conversation. Um so you see that it's pretty close to where you are currently. Um, and then you also see a like a temple district. Um, and you can see there are a couple of points of interest on this map where there is uh, the temple district. And it looks like these are very much based in the new gods. You don't see anything for the old gods. Um, you just see temple symbology for the new gods. Um, and so that's probably a place that... Uh, would have a lot of people, especially early morning, probably the early morning worship services. And then um, you also uh, see a sort of like a centralized park, um, just like a big open uh, park area that would probably have some people in it. Uh, so I take note of those three areas and uh, I point my finger and I try to route it from where I am right now to that big, large, uh, larger park that you mentioned and uh, squint and, and then nod, scratch my head again, and then uh, walk down the stairs. Okay. Um, and then just one more thing before you oh, head yeah. down the stairs. The head of Thaddeus is currently sitting there on the dresser. Um, would you like to take it with you or would you like to leave it in the room? I would like to leave it in the room. <laughs> okay. All right. So you're leaving it in the room with Flynn as you walk down the stairs and enter sort of the uh, the common area of the inn. At this point, you can see there there are a couple people who have just sort of woken up um, and sort of are, are starting their day down there. I um, My uh, stomach starts rumbling a little bit and... Uh, Something's like, I'm, I start craving something that I wouldn't normally just because I'm having a few um, stomach jumping jacks. So I'm going to um, go up to the bar uh, and order something for a little bit of breakfast. Okay. Um, you walk up to, uh, it's this little, um, it looks like a, a bar during the night, probably restaurant during the day. Um and uh, you can see a young dwarven lady uh, sitting there behind the counter, just sort of taking people's early morning orders. She says, uh, hey, uh, what can I get you? Uh, I've been eating too many berries and fish lately. Uh, I need to change it up a little bit. Do you have anything organic? Uh, a fruit of some kind, uh, perhaps? Um... Yeah, if uh, if you're not looking for anything cooked, um, we've got a, a little table right over there. It's got some uh, breads and uh, fruit over there. I think it's got like some apples and, and pears and bananas and stuff like that, if, if that's what you're feeling like. Oh, that's great. Uh, I'm going to wander over uh, to the table. Uh, I'm actually going to pick up an apple and uh, throw it up and catch it. 
um, and and say, uh, the pair would be too sweet for me, I'm afraid. I'm going to walk back to uh, the bar. This will do. All right, and uh, as you walk over, you take, uh, there are two apples laying there. You take one of the apples, uh, leaving one remaining. And uh, with that apple in hand, you step out into the into the busy city streets. Um, and as you step out, you look right and left and you are immediately, once again, hit with that feeling of, you know, being thrust into a city. Um, so how, how is Shreya feeling as you're not only surrounded by a bustling city, but by one that is mostly occupied by dwarves? Uh, it's a little intimidating at first. Um, as soon as I step out, uh, I sort of, and, and walk a little bit into the street, I immediately have the urge to step back or, like, duck into another part of the street. Um, I really don't like... Uh, I sort of... My feet kind of ruffles a little bit, uh, and, and I say under my breath, the odor of dwarves. Ugh. And uh, I'm going to try to keep some distance between me and, and uh, the nearest humanoids. Do I, mostly dwarves, right? Mostly dwarves. Um, you see, actually, uh, right across the street, you see a blue tiefling sort of setting up shop for the morning. Um, it looks like a lot of, like, dried and aged meats um, and sort of like a just a general butcher shop. Um, you see mostly dwarves. You see a couple of um, furbolgs. And, um, yeah, that's, that's sort of a bulk of what you see. Uh, based, on my, based on my comprehension of the map, uh, and based on how crowded the street is, uh, as I as I start to get even more uncomfortable with having to potentially walk through crowds and around uh, big patches of people, um, I'm going to try to look for a spot where I can kick off the ground without making too much of a ruckus and try to make my way to the park from the air. Yeah, for sure. So you, uh, I'm going to have you make a perception check for me. Great. Oh, okay. Uh, 13. Uh, 13. Um, you are looking around and you can just barely see just sort of a break in the crowd just ahead. Um, so you sort of make your way up there um, through the crowd. And as you look to your left, all of a sudden, a break in the shops um, on the street turns into a um, gallows. You see three hanging nooses there. Um, just sort of smack dab in the middle of this street you can see the people who are walking on the street are giving it a good amount of clearance they're definitely they're not walking directly in front of this thing two of the nooses the two on the outside are empty you see one occupied in the middle you can see a humanoid figure you can't tell if it's human or elf but that sort of stature you can't tell because there's a bag over their head they wear um, these purple robes, these layered purple robes, and they have a sign that is hanging from their neck that says uh, spy. And then do you read Dwarvish? I... I do, actually, yes. Okay. So it says in common, it says in big letters, spy, and then in Dwarvish, below it, it says criminals beware. Wow. Okay. Uh, can I... As I lilt toward these uh, this gallows area. Uh, can I tell if this person with the bag over... I don't know if you mentioned this. Uh, can I tell if they're still alive or not? Very much dead. They're, it's ah, it's at the point where, dead. like, flies are starting to to start flying around their body. Wow. Okay. 
Well, in that case, um, could I actually, before I, before I kick off the ground from this opening, uh, looking around those gallows, do I see any, like, remnants of what had happened there before? Any kind of, like, it, it, just what's around there? Uh, anything that might provide logistics for anyone who w- would want to operate those gallows? Uh, yeah, make an investigation check. That is a 15. <laughs> uh, 15. Um, so you uh, look up and you can see on the um, the cloak, this purple cloak that the person is wearing, um, you can see scorch marks on sort of going up the robe, um, sort of these arcane scorch marks. And you can see um, from their belt there there looks to be like things that have been ripped off of the belt um and you can gather that this is probably some sort of mage or something and in their frantic final moments attempted to just start spouting off spells um but beyond that you look to your right and your left and you see um one dwarven guard on either side of you um just sort of keeping watch over the gallows um not looking at you in particular not looking at anyone in the crowd in particular but just sort of standing there very vigilant i'm gonna walk up to to that guard actually now that my my interest is even more peaked i'm gonna approach the guard slowly and uh i'm gonna walk up to him and say greeting stone carver uh what uh what befell this being as i point up to the man. I, I know I can read, but it is intriguing. I wish to avoid a fate like theirs. Yeah, you want to avoid a fate like his? Just don't break the law, buddy. Hey, we're watching you, alright? Doesn't look like you're from around here. So just keep your cool, and you're not going to end up like this guy, alright? Understood. Uh, I have one question, then, uh, as I do want to respect the laws of this city, uh, if I were to... In my anatomy, it allows me uh, to operate in the plane of air. Uh, is that permitted in this space? You're talking about flying? Yes, yes. Apologies. Uh, sometimes I speak in, in larger-than-life... Uh, what are they called? You call them... Uh, Metaphors, or perhaps I'm just relatively long-winded sometimes. Yeah, buddy, I can tell. Um, flying permitted, uh, teleportation permitted, any way you want to get around. Thank you. I, I it was nice talking to you. I and you too. Nod and uh, find the space to, to kick off the ground. Okay. Um, and as the breeze once more finds its purchase below your wings, um, you get up to uh, a decent altitude to where you can sort of uh, fly above these buildings and sort of get a good view of the layout of the city. And as soon as you get up that high, you're, you can see those same landmarks that you saw on the map and you can really orient yourself. Um, you can see uh, in sort of one corner of the city um, these large walls that protrude from the ground and these big stone buildings. And you think back to the map and you remember seeing that that's um, where a large part of the um, the army 
of Kaldur stations itself here in Solaris. Um, and you can just tell by the size of the portion of this city that it is a strong military presence here. Um, but as you are flying, you note the, uh, the temple district off to your right, the restaurant and markets off to your left, and just ahead, the park with some beautifully sprouting trees um, with these uh, thick canopies, and there seems to be full of life and, and definitely an oasis within the middle of this city. Um, so as you fly over, are you going to land or stay in the air? Uh, I'm going to land in the park. Uh, I'm going to specifically seek out like a, a grove of trees uh, or a larger concentration of them. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and there is a section with a couple of really tall trees. And as you sort of land on the ground and take a couple steps towards those trees, the grass feels really nice beneath your claws. And... Um, as this is a park, a young boy and a young girl who are playing with a ball um, just sort of uh, don't quite see that you're there. And the little boy who's running with the ball sort of uh, uh, brushes his shoulder against you and he turns around and he says, oh, sorry, sorry, sir. And he continues running alongside this little girl with a ball. Um, and uh, you look around and you can see people enjoying the park. That's quite all right, young one. Uh, enjoy your day. Um, <clears throat> Uh, uh, yes. Uh, and walking toward one of the larger trees that I see, um, I'm going to take out my staff. Uh, first, uh, first I'm going to look around for, is there any signage at all around these trees? Is there any, uh, being mindful of my last exchange with that guard? Um, no, you don't see any sort of signs or anything. Um, actually, looking around, uh, there are just a couple of, like, not like warning signs, which I think is what you were getting at, but like um, little labels telling you, like, what kind of tree this is and what part of the world it came from. And it looks like there are some trees. You can see at least three or four trees that are from different portions of the world. Ooh. Uh, in that case, if this is, uh, if this is like, uh, um, outdoor museum of different types of trees. Uh, I'm going to look for uh, trees or plants that are native to my ancestral rise even before I took up residence with the elves and see if I can get a sense of home. For sure. So not all of these trees are labeled, but you can tell okay. that they're, most of them are different. So I'm going to have you make a nature check for me. Great. Nature, nature, nature. Oof. Says seven. <laughs> uh, seven. Um, so you look around and you can see a couple that sort of remind you of the uh, thick evergreen trees of the Brosby Wood, which you would know very well. Um, the being the the forest that was sort of just down, um, uh, right next to the Venville Rise. Uh, so there are a couple, but they look familiar. I thought trees like this could grow in this part of the world. As I wander over toward one of them, uh, I take out my staff. Uh, I press the, the crystal uh, at the top of my staff uh, to my forehead and touch the, the ground-facing uh, end of the staff to that tree. Um, as I do, the wood in the staff starts to... Uh, uh, almost like grow and move 
uh, as the roots at the top holding the crystal start to sway. Uh, and I'm going to druidcraft uh, the symbol of my native tribe onto this tree. Okay, very cool. Um, so you druidcraft the, the symbol onto this tree and you can, after you're done, you can feel the tree, or at least looking up at the the leaves, there's almost like a slight breeze, almost as if the tree is sort of shuddering or like uh, um, sort of in recognition of that. And uh, a couple leaves fall down from the tree. As, as that happens, uh, I'm going to just press my forehead uh, to the side and bark of that tree too and take a quick uh, meditation. Okay. Um, as you are doing that, what are you? What sort of thoughts are you meditating on? Uh, I'm meditating on my home tribe. I'm meditating on uh, memories of when I was very, very young, uh, and the roots of my knowledge and skill and facility in uh, shaping nature's forces and. Uh, bending them to my will and having moments of uh, nostalgic remembrance of both uh, incredible pleasure in the discovery of this knowledge and also the pain that the fruits of those knowledge uh, caused me to receive and also that set me on this path to where I am now. Okay. And just as you come out of that meditation and sort of get reacquainted with your surroundings, you can hear just behind another tree, sort of off off a couple feet away from you, um, you can hear two voices. And one of them says, No, you go ask him. I'm not going to ask. No, you go. You go ask him. Okay. Oh, fine. I'll go ask him. And out from behind the tree, uh, you see two uh, halflings. They look like they are um, probably like in halfling years, like late teens, early 20s, um, young halflings. You see one uh, male and one female. And um, the female comes up to you and she says, Hi, um, well, I hate to be a bother, but um, I just saw you kind of doing something there. And I was wondering, um, those, your, your wings, are those like... I don't know. It's, I don't know. This might be this might be very rude, but are those like more decorative or are those functional? They are very much functional. A small one. Uh, they, believe it or not, there are many, many more beings like me. Uh, they just perhaps are not from this place. I have uh, covered a great bit of ground to make my way here. You think you'd be able to possibly cover a little bit more ground and help us out with something? Well, I don't see why not. I have had nothing but goodwill toward uh, beings of your, well, let's say stature and nature. Um, okay, cool. It's kind of uh, just a weird request. Um, we got, uh, there's a, uh, well, we got a ball stuck up in a tree over there, um, and she sort of points up, and she goes, you see that? See that ball right up there that's sort of in between the branches? Oh, yes, yes, I see. 
Um, could you get that for us? I don't and, see why not. Uh, okay. Thank you. Um, there's just one, there's like, there's a raccoon that lives in there. Um, and it sort of like has burrowed into the tree and it lives into the tree. So like, I think, could you just like be as quiet as, I don't want you to get hurt. You're already helping us out. I don't want you to get hurt. Could you like just do it as quietly as possible? So, so like you don't get hurt by the raccoon. I don't think I'll get hurt by the raccoon. Uh, I, I may even try to glean what that raccoon's life is like. We would just prefer, like, maybe if you just let it be um, and just kind of let it stay there. Would you be able to do that? Well, sure, sure. I, I'd really I'd really appreciate that. I don't know uh, the all of the inhabitants of this patch of grass and trees, so yes, I will endeavor to be as quiet as possible. Thank you. Uh, and I'm going to uh, whoosh my way up off the ground and float my way delicately toward the part of the tree that the ball is in. Okay. So, I am going to have you make a roll here. Um, you can either make a stealth check or a nature check. Um, whichever one you want. Okay. Let's do, do stealth. Stealth. Okay. And since you are like, are, are you, you said you're moving gingerly, right? Yes. Okay, so you can do that at advantage because you are moving at a slow pace. Well, thank goodness, because the first roll was a four. <laughs> oh, but the second one was a two. Oh. Yowza. <laughs> okay, so, um, and then what's what's your, do you have a plus to stealth? Uh, yeah, but it would only bring me up to, to six. Okay, just one. Um <laughs> Okay, so you, uh, as you're sort of flying up there, um, one of your wings that's sort of flapping up and down uh, just catches a branch and completely shakes the entire branch and a bunch of leaves fall off and you make a total ruckus. As these leaves fall to the ground, you are able to reach up and just grab the ball. But as you grab the ball, no raccoon. Huh. You float back down to the ground with the ball in your hand. I wasn't able to see the creature you mentioned, but uh, here's the ball all the same. Uh, and you can see the, the halflings are, are once again kind of whispering to each other, and um, the girl says, yeah, but there's not going to be any branches. Like, it'll be fine. It'll totally be fine. And the, the male goes, I mean, I guess, but like, is, do we have any other choice? No, I don't think so. And uh, the girl comes up to you and reaches her hand out to shake your hand um, and says, I'm sorry, I, I didn't... We haven't introduced ourselves. Uh, my name is uh, Belinda Fairfoot, and uh, this is my brother, Hollinard. Hello, Belinda Fairfoot, you say, and uh, how did you pronounce your name? Hollinard. Hollinard. All right, it sounds uh, very similar to... Well, never mind. Uh, how, uh, what, what types of, are you, do you play games with this ball? Um, we, no, we don't. Um, that was kind of just a little test. Um, just to sort of see, like, how quiet you can be. Um, would you be interested in, uh, earning a little bit of money? 
Well, of course. Uh, I, uh, I've only just begun to realize uh, how satisfying it can be to engage in, uh, what, earthly trade. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great to hear. Um, yeah, would you be willing to, you know, come with us and uh, we could talk about something real quick? Sure, I don't see why not. But uh, let me look at this thing you yeah, first. I, I'm going to examine the ball more closely. Okay. Um, make an investigation check. Uh, that's great. Uh, 19. 19? It is just a ball. It's just um, a ball. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like a little bit of fabric on the outside, um, and it's just a ball. Um, and uh, Belinda looks at you and says... Um, uh, yeah, this is just sort of something that we can't really talk about out here, and you don't really look like you're from around here. So, I i mean, I don't know if you've gotten a sense of the city yet, but I think you might sort of know what I'm talking about. We can't really discuss it out here. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, from what I gather, there are quite a bit of rules and regulations here. So, yeah. oh, sure, uh, I will say... Uh, my intention is to respect the, po- the local populace as much as I can, but uh, if it is for a little money, I don't see the bending the rules a little bit. Uh, amazing, amazing. Oh, and then she nudges her uh, her brother and I told you, I told you this guy was going to be great, right? Come on. And uh, they walk with you over to uh, um, the other side of the park. It's uh, like a nice little five-minute walk you can hear um you know birds chirping there's a little pond with some frogs croaking um but eventually you guys come across uh these two little benches um that are in this kind of secluded grassy area and uh they sit you down and they say so um well i just want to say like just thank you for like listening to this and i would hope that you're you know, you would have some discretion with what we're about to tell you. Um, we saw what you did back there um, with that rune in the tree. And, you know, that sort of magic isn't really from around here. Um, so, like, we figure we can trust you. Um, our mother was sort of a, uh, you could call her a preacher. Um, and, uh, she had a preference for the old gods and uh, I don't know if you have gotten a chance to to be around the city too much but the old gods aren't really too hot around here anymore um, anyone who's caught you know preaching the word of the old gods is is asked to stop and my mom was asked to stop a couple times and she didn't so um, she's kind of in jail now and we were just hoping that you could help us out in uh liberating her, let's call it. Is there a freeing a prisoner from bondage? Uh, it's a good thing. It's a good thing I have a preference for the old gods, too. But what you're talking about is uh, much more than a minor transgression. I thought for a moment you might ask me to, to put another rune somewhere else or do something with this ball. And I look at it again. But a prisoner break, I... I know, I, I know it's a huge ask, and uh, you would get well paid at the end of it, um, and, but, you know, it's, it's up to you. But if you say no, I just, 
please don't tell anyone that we had this conversation. Uh, I know what it's like to be separated from, from someone very near and dear to me. Tell you what. I would imagine since, since you've been parted from this loved one, might have had some ideas and how they might be freed, so let me know what you would propose and I'll see if I can help you. Well, that's the thing is, like, I think we've got sort of most of it worked out. Um, we, so there's the entrance and in order to get into the entrance, there's this wall that you got to get over. And, you know, it takes us a little bit too long to climb, but someone with your specific capabilities might be able to just do a quick hop over that wall and, and open it from the other side. Well, yes. And I would imagine uh, there are cells, so I would have to, in addition to opening it from the other side, have a plan for opening the cell that I would need to open and then somehow escorting this prisoner out. Yeah, um, so we've sort of been watching the the guard changes, so we, we figure we can slip in there easy enough. Um, we're also pretty nimble, and we can sort of go undetected. Um, but, uh, yeah, getting out is is gonna be the tough part. We've been practicing lockpicking uh, just for once we're in there, but if you've got anything in your little bag of tricks, we would uh, be open to suggestions. Now, the only thing... Uh... I may not have means to pick locks or open doors by any crafty means. I might be able to use my knowledge of herbs to try to uh, create something that might knock someone out, but it's been a long time since I practiced that kind of herbalism. Oh, that sounds that sounds amazing. That was kind of our one thing is like if we do come across someone, we don't really know how to deal with that. So, it's good to know that you've got you've got something like that. Well, my I would my intention would never be to take life, but to temporary temporarily dull it. Uh, that's quite another story. Well, yeah, that's another thing. We're not interested in killing anyone um or anyone dying. We really just want to get our mom back. That's that's pretty much bottom line. All right then. Let me see what I can do. Uh, I'm going to open up my uh, herbalism kit. I'm going to see if I can put uh, some components together to see if I can make a uh, a dulling combination. Something that might uh, temporarily, not even completely knock out, but perhaps sedate someone and dull the senses. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm going to have you make, let's see. Um, do you have any spells that might specifically aid in this? Or are you just looking to go with what components can I mix together? Uh, yeah, I think the only spell that I might cast would be one that would increase, temporarily increase my intelligence to kind of help boost whatever role that would be. I Yeah, I'm just thinking more along the lines of like, do you have anything that would mess with someone's senses so that like 
because you know that spell that might help you in creating something that would sedate someone. Um, but if not, totally cool. Um, I would say not quite yet. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, all right. So with that, um, I am going to either have you make an arcana check or a nature check to see what you can mix together in order to sedate someone. Awesome. You said arcana or... Or nature. Or nature. Because, Uh, yeah, most of these components are, like, very earthy. So, uh, yeah. Uh, That is a... Nature... Uh, yeah, that's uh, going to be a 12. A 12. Okay. Um, so you mix together a couple of these components, and um, you sort of know a recipe for something that would help you get into sort of like a trance-like state um, that you've used in the past to help you commune with the nature around you and um, just sort of put you into sort of a, a higher mental state. Um, but then that also dulls your earthly senses. So you've got something here that, you know, might sedate someone a little bit, um, but depending on their sort of willpower, um, they might be able to sort of shake off the effects. But you've got it, um, and it might work. All right. Um, I'm also going to, and this this can be for down the line, though, but I'm just saying it now in case things escalate and start moving uh, more quickly. Uh, going to prepare uh, hold person as a failsafe. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So you've got that sort of right on your holster, um, and you've sort of got hold person replaying in your head, the incantation. Um, okay, perfect. So um, Belinda sits down next to you, and she looks back and forth, sees that no one's around, and she pulls a little piece of paper from her pocket. And uh, she looks to you and she says, so, um, well, first part um, is the sort of the guard changes um, because there are, you know, it's it's a jail, so there's going to be guards. But surprisingly, during the day is when there's the fewest number of guards. Um, I don't think anyone really suspects someone like us to be coming in during the day. So um, we're going to be going in, hopefully, I mean, today, if, if you're up for it. Um, and so we're going to try and get in, sneak past some of the guards. There's a wall that we have to get up to with a sort of like a back entrance. Not too well looked after, but it is completely locked from the outside. So what we're going to need you to do is as quickly and quietly as you can, uh, just sort of hop over that wall and get to the door on the other side to open it from the inside. Um, once we're there, there's a uh, little manhole cover off to the right that we should be able to slip into and and duck through uh, some of the sewage ways in order to get to the main portion of the the jail. Does that sound okay to you? Yes, just uh, if you've isolated the part of wall that I must get beyond uh, near that entrance, point me in that direction and uh, I will endeavor to, to fly over that portion of the wall at the right time when the guards change. Fantastic. Okay. Um, do you have any... I, this is, I know this is a lot. Do you have any questions before we start heading over there? 
Once I'm on the other side, uh, I, I've never really been around uh, organized militias or fortifications of that nature. What would I look for in terms of uh, what could open the door once I'm inside? I don't know. Um, that's sort of out of our range at the moment. We don't really know what kind of door it is. It might be a key, um, but uh, yeah, I think you if you could just figure out how to get it open, then we're, we're golden from there. All right. I will have to use my uh, thinking on my wings, as it were. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yes. Is it Almost time for a god shift. Um, yeah, they they have people pretty much there all the time. Um, but like I said, during during the daylight hours, there's a lot fewer of them. So uh, we'll maybe hang out for a couple minutes and and just see what the state is over there. So uh, yeah, come on, let's go. And uh, her and her brother begin sort of walking off in uh, in a northern direction. And after a couple minutes of of walking through the city you come across another portion of very secure, walled-off city. Um, very similar to what you saw when you were hovering above the city. Um, but you see these these big walls um, with these... Uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, ballistas on uh, yeah. every, every once in a while. Like and you can see a couple of guards walking over the top every once in a while. And... Uh, after you wait a couple minutes, sitting there, sort of observing the guards, uh, Belinda turns to you and she says, "All right, I think, uh, I think now might be the best time. You good to All go? All right. Up and over it is. Okay. Um, so with that, I'm going to have you make a stealth check. Here we go, stealth check. Come on, come on. Don't let me down. Um." Well, that's a 12. That's <laughs> uh, a 12. Okay. Let me uh, let me see what these guards are up to. You go unnoticed as you hover your way above the wall. You right. can see um, you can see one guard walking the wall on your right, but they are walking in the opposite direction away from you. So you're able to hover and drop back down over the wall. Once you're on the other side, you see um, a in stark contrast to the mostly wooden buildings um, that were on the other side of the wall, now it's mostly stone buildings. Um, and you could see a lot of these are, are very fortified here. Um, but you turn around and you can see the doorway right behind you as well as the manhole cover just off to your left. So, looking at this door, how do you want to proceed? I'm muttering to myself very quietly. If I were a dwarf... Opening component. If I were a dwarf, I'd never be a dwarf. Despicable creatures. If I were a dwarf, okay, and I'm looking around, uh, trying to put together any kind of logical um, semblance of how a component could be used to open this door. For sure. Uh, make an investigation check for me. Thirteen. Uh, Thirteen. You can see on the door there is a like very heavy inset lock, like a traditional key lock, um, as well as a lever right next to it. Hmm. Going to go up to 
stealthily go up to... I'm going to look around before I put my hand on the lever uh, and make sure if anybody is coming around the corner or coming into line of sight. You don't see anyone at the moment. Okay. Uh, In that case, I am going to pull the lever. Okay. You pull the lever and you hear from like sort of within the wall that leads into the the door. uh, And then nothing happens. Ah. No. Mm. Uh, and so I'm now going to look around and I'm going to see I think mm. I'm going to uh, wander down the corridor stealthily and see if I can find any of the guards that might be... Oh, wait, you said in addition to the le- lever, there was one other thing? Yeah, there's like a traditional lock um, that that is inset in the door and then a lever sort of on the wall next to the door. Uh-huh. Okay. So in that case, I'm going to look around the door to see if uh, anything might be hanging from an inlet or my guess is that there's a guard who has this key, but I'm going to check around the the edges of the door just in case it's right in front of my face. <laughs> um, yeah, you're looking around, you're checking the stonework, you're looking around at everything. You don't see a key hanging there. Gotcha. Okay. Then I'm going to walk down uh, on the, um, the, you know, the blind curved side of a corner. I'm going to reach the corner and then I'm going to peek my head around and see if I can see anyone uh, down the next corridor, the next uh, way. Um. Yes, so you peek your head around and you do see one guard just standing there um, facing the opposite way from you. Huh. Uh, I am now going to take out my verbal component uh, and I'm going to try to... uh, I'm going to take out a few of my feathers. Uh, I'm going to combine the mixture I created with those feathers. Uh, and I'm going to attempt to first catch the guard's eye with the feather by reaching around and then quickly shoving that feather right under the guard's nose and mouth. See what happens. Okay, so you're, are you like, how are you shoving it? Just so I can get a clear picture. How are you putting the feather onto him? Are, are you like trying to get a tickle situation out of him? Are you like trying to tickle his nose a little bit? Uh, yes, I'm trying to tickle okay. his nose so that he starts ah, ah, like inhaling deeply. Gotcha. That's okay. the goal is to get the inhalation uh, very strong. <laughs> and that he does. As soon as the, the feather goes, comes around, he like, you can't quite tell if it's the feather itself or like the surprise of, oh, something's happening, but he does take a, a deep breath in. Uh, and I have hold person prepared in case this does nothing. Okay. Um, but what's what's going on with him? Is he is he does he feel like he still has all of his uh, faculties? Okay, so he is going to make a Constitution saving throw here, and I'm going to set the DC at twelve because you did a decent job putting that together. Really, and that's going to be an eight. So um, 
as All soon right. as it's like it's like a quick one too. The feather comes around. He inhales, and you stick your hand out, and all of this, um, uh, all of this stuff goes into his nose and mouth. And you can see immediately, he sort of relaxes, and he doesn't quite drop down to the ground, but he's he's still holding himself there. But he is definitely in a daze for, for at least the time being. All right, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna shake him down, see if he's got any keys. Okay, make an investigation check. At advantage because he is, you know, sedated. Good, because that was a two. <laughs> oh, no. This is wow. a five, so seven. Ah! A seven? My advantage well, checks are not doing great. <laughs> it, it it did beat the DC. It was a very low DC to get that uh, to get that key. Oh, okay. Because it's, it's hanging on his hip. Um, ah. It's like, it's, it's sort of up and around in the front, hanging from a belt loop. Um, but there are a set of two keys there. Cool. Uh, I'm going to grab both of them. Okay, nice. Um, So you take both of them, and he is still... He's just sort of, like, waving back and forth, just sort of swaying there. Um, I I, I look down uh, and take in his eyes, um, and I'm going to mutter under my breath, For any other creature, it would pain me to do this, not to a being like you. And I'm gonna swing my staff around and clock him in the forehead with the intention of knocking him out. Okay, um, that's an automatic hit. Uh, so if you want to roll damage on that, you can. Whatever the damage on your staff is. Uh, great. Um, without the, without any kind of making the staff magical, it's just uh, a d6 minus one. So that is four points of bludgeoning damage. Four points of bludgeoning damage. Um, Normally, this probably wouldn't knock him out, but in the state that he's in, you whack him across the forehead and he drops to his knees and face plants into the dirt in front of him. Great. I'm going to also try to move his body into a position that might make it seem like he just fell asleep and then leaned up against the wall and fell asleep. Okay. Um, You successfully do so. Although there is a little bit of a a red line going down his forehead from where you cracked him over the head. Um, Ah. But besides (laughs) that, looks like he's taking a pleasant nap. Awesome. And you head back to the door. I'm going to try both of the keys and then pull it one by one. And then I'm going to pull the lever for each and see if it opens the door. Okay. Um, The first key doesn't turn in the doorway. uh, But then the second key, it goes right in. It turns. And as it turns, you hear a... And then you pull the lever and you hear a... And the door slightly swings open. That's my preferred way to communicate with dwarves. (laughs) And uh, then I'm going to look over past the opening, look around, see if there are any other guards who are approaching from uh, the opposite side. I'm going to call out, uh, Belinda, Holonard! In 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 a hushed tone, but... And from just a couple feet away, right, like sort of leaning up against the wall, um, you hear Holonard say to Belinda, see, I told you he'd be able to do it. I told you. Okay, come on, let's go. And they both walk in with you. And uh, Belinda, as she's walking right past you, she gives you like two thumbs up and and big wide eyes. um, And I notice as as they've been whispering, like these kind of doubtful whispers, right? Yeah, oh yeah, you've for Uh, sure heard them. Uh, and and I'm going to mutter under my breath. I thought uh, being encouraging was a standard trait of these small ones, but I suppose Flynn just has 
the gift of encouraging people and picking them up all his own. Okay, we're going down. And as they're lifting up the manhole cover, all right, let's go. Oh, all right. Right, right. And I, the odor of the sewers um, starts to get to me. And, and then I, and then I think back to what I just did. And then I, with a little bit of hesitation and slight pinch of pain, I pluck out another feather and then I put it up to my nose. Okay. Um, dulling your smell for a little bit, um, you get down in the sewers. It is still a very pungent smell, um, but your feather is doing a little bit to, to help that out. Um, and so you guys walk down this long sewer tunnel uh, for about 100, maybe 150 feet. It's hard to gauge down here. Um, you're used to looking at everything from above. So uh, you guys are walking for a little bit, and then you come across a ladder to your right that heads up as the two halflings start to climb the ladder. Um, they reach up, and this isn't a, a manhole cover. It's more of like a traditional hatch that they open up. They they grab the handle and open up the hatch as they both hop up. Um, you can now at this point see um, torchlight begin to pour in into the sewer. And I, and I sort of tap one of their uh, shins as we're climbing the ladder. How do you know it's this one? Um, taking a guess. Could be All this right. one. Um, there's also there's also two more um, down the way. Could be this one. Could be those. All right. Let's hope it's this one. And I follow them up the ladder. Okay. Um, so as you get up to the top of the ladder, you are greeted by um, cages on either side of you. Prison cells. Um, you can see them on either side of you. And just in front of you is a long hallway stretching to your right and down to your left with cells on either side of them. Um, and Belinda and Hollenard look to you as you get up and, and close this hatch and they say, all right, from here, your guess is as good as ours. Um, what are you thinking? Well, uh, is there any sort of word or uh, anything that only you and this person knows that we could perhaps whisper or uh, not yell, but uh, at each one of these cells to see if that's they respond. Um, I mean, uh, not really. I mean, as you know, when when she was sort of doing her thing, um, she always said, uh, uh, "May her light shine upon you." That was kind of her preachy thing that she always said. Uh, that might work, but, you know, if someone hears us, that could get us in a lot more trouble, too. Maybe they don't have to hear us. Uh, and as I, uh, as I hear these words, um, I am going to, uh, druidcraft, uh, if I can, of course. Yeah. Uh, a, a, uh, a traveling ball of moonlight so something faint um, something that I've seen in my mind's eye my own knowledge of the moon and how I've channeled that moon's rays before to damage but in this case not damage just uh, shine upon uh, any who look at it okay um, 
I mean, yeah, as Druidcraft can create sensory effects, sight is a sense. So I'm going to say that uh, you create this, this tiny little dull ball of moonlight in your hand. Um, you, you're not going to be able to extend it anywhere past your hand, so you're going to have to be holding it. That's okay. That's quite all right. Um, so, and you said there are there are cells and cages to our right and left, or there the hallway. Yeah. So you pretty much um, came up through this tunnel, and um, if you take one or two steps forward, you would be directly in the middle of the hall that goes both right and left. All right. Well, we've no time to lose. We we don't know when the next guard is going to make their rounds, so let's start looking. Uh. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to start looking around the different cells, holding the little pale uh, moonlight above my hand and having that lead my way and uh, listening for if uh, this there is any kind of reaction to it as I move quickly, but okay. stealthily. <laughs> um, uh, hey, real quick, do you want to go that way and we can go this way? Are we splitting up? Is that what we're doing? I believe so. Go this way. You could go that way. Sure. Yes. That that would save time. And okay. I, and you'll be able to recognize this person sooner than I would. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they dash off down to the left as you head off to the right. Um, and I am going to have you make a stealth check. All right. Let's try that one. Ooh, sixteen. Sixteen. Nice. So as you are walking along this uh, cold stone floor. Um, looking at each cell on your right and your left, um, only really lit by the very faint torchlight as well as the light that you're holding in your hand. Um, um, you hear a couple of like moans and like grumbles from within the cells. Um, for, uh, off from your right, you hear, uh, uh, what are you doing? What are you doing here, man? Uh, I look in, sort of direct my hand toward where the sound is coming from to see if I can see where it's coming from. Okay. Um, yeah, you look into uh, the cell and you see a um, a dwarven man sort of crouched there um, in the middle of the cell and he looks at you and... Oh, shit. Sorry. Thought, thought you were someone else. No, what, uh, what, what are you doing? I thought you might have been... Someone else, too. I'm here seeking out someone. Uh, what are you doing here? <laughs> well, you know, I got in trouble. You know, stealing. Apparently, uh, feeding my family is against the law in this town. So, uh, now I'm here. Well, uh, I'd like to get out of here. Buddy, nothing would make me happier. Well, I should look to the keys. Uh, nature's bounty should be for everyone, not just those who can take enough time to find all of the food they can eat and store it away. So, here, and I turn, uh, I try the other key in the lock of that cell and uh, open it. It opens right up. I'm looking for a halfling. A halfling. Uh, on the older side. Uh, female, I believe. Would you mind helping me search? I think, uh, 
I think I saw Halfling come in here. There, there are a couple in here, but uh, I think I saw one come by. I, I could have sworn you here were here for the other guy, but uh, the uh, the Halfling is, is over here on the left. Wait, why would you have sworn I was here for the other guy? There have been a couple of breakout attempts for this other guy. I don't know. Some human down the hall. Really? Yeah. Do you have, do you have any idea why? Do you get to know the people who are locked up with you? Well, the word coming down the cells is uh, some, like, uber-powerful mage. They got him in, like, these crazy chains and, like, bindings and stuff. Never seen anything like it. Wow. Uh, I just uh, saw another mage who was recently put to death down on the street. I wonder if it was one of their colleagues. Yeah? But we're losing focus, though. Direct okay. me to, yeah. no, direct me to this halfling. Okay. Um, and as you guys begin moving again, um, I'm going to have you make another stealth check. As you hear down the hall coming in your direction, a uh, dwarven guard in this heavy plate armor that you can hear sort of crunching down the hall. Oh, boy. All right. Don't let me down. Dice. Well, stealth, uh, 14. Okay. Um, so you uh, are hearing this this dwarf come down the hallway and right as he's sort of about to turn the corner and and see you you both of you dodge into a cell to your left and sort of quickly close and uh very softly shut the door as the dwarf comes doesn't look into each of the cells and passes you Oof. and you guys open up the cell door once again and can head back out into the hallway is this very powerful mage uh, near the target that I'm seeking? I, man, I've been stuck in that cell down there. I don't know. I just know that there's a halfling down this way because they brought him down and they brought her down and uh, well, they passed my cell and then they also passed my cell with the mage. So I know that they're down here. I don't know specifically where they're at. All right. I would like to get a good look at this mage too. Let's find the halfling. Okay. And uh, after sort of checking the cells back and forth um, you reach your hand up to one of the cells and you hear a a very faint voice um, sort of emanating from the cell and you hear it say "Ah, our light shines upon you and I bring my hand out and toward the direction of that voice her light may have found you I whisper I see it finds you as well. Who are you? I've been enlisted by Belinda and Hollenard. We're here. We're here to get you out of here. <laughs> well, I couldn't stop them from getting in trouble as kids, so I guess, you know, what's to change now? Um, uh, sure. Uh, do you have anything to get this gate open? I might. If... In fact, this is a universal key, which I hope it is. And I use the same key that I opened the other cell with on this cell. Okay. Um, and once again, it opens up. Fantastic. All right. Uh, we need to find them, and then we need to get out of here. But, but first, and then I'm just going to, to scan the cells just around hers. Not actively, like, seek out or go any great distance, but... Um, try to look around to see if I can get the uh, description of the powerful mage that was described. 
Yeah, so um, looking down this hallway, it's pretty dim in here, but um, you can see two cells down from her. Since this is all like just vertical iron bars, um, you can sort of see into the the cages down and you see two cells beyond um, these chains that come from five different points on the ceiling down to one point on someone's back. And you can see five chains from the ground coming up and also meeting, uh, sort of stretching their body in uh, their their arms out on either side and keeping them down on their knees. Um, these chains that are coming from the ceiling and the, the ground and the walls are just like keeping this person completely locked in one position. Um, you can see that uh, the woman who you just freed as well as the dwarf who you just freed, um, they were pretty much free to roam around the cell, whereas this person is completely locked in place just with these chains and uh, and um, sort of handcuffs and all of these binding mechanisms. You, restrained one, are you awake? Yeah, for the time being. Why are you here? Why are they... Why are they binding you to such? Well, I just, uh think they're a little afraid of me but uh that's all going to change when i get out of here and he sort of tries to move back and forth but he can't really move and as he struggles to move back and forth um you can see these deep purple runes all over the chains now begin to glow and pulse and he's sort of then locked back into place uh magical in nature um what's What's your name? My name is Shreya. I'm a, a being of the plane of air. And I I saw someone similar to who practices your, your magics. And if your fate be similar to that of theirs, you may not have much time left. But if your cause be noble and your... I've already taken the step to break this many laws to get here. What what would you say if I could give you your freedom sooner? What is your purpose in this place? Why were you restrained in such a way? <sighs> but I, I was looking for answers that they weren't willing to give me. But I would be the most impressed person in Elbor if you were able to get me out of these. I can't get me out of these. And trust me, that's saying something. And as he looks up to you, um, he sort of scans you up and down, and you can see this long beard at this point. Um, Looks like unshaven for a long time. Um, Sort of salt and pepper. You can see the long hair on top um, begin to sort of fold back and drape onto his shoulders. Um, you can see he is um, sort of wearing a similar purple robe, similar to what you had seen outside. Um, and you can see he's not wearing any shoes as he's chained up here. And he looks you up and down and he says, Old far south, don't you think? Yeah, for most of my kind. They would never think of stepping foot in a place like this. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen a couple come this far south, but, uh, man, brave one, aren't you? Well, the time I felt like I didn't have much of a choice. But if, 
We must be on the move. I'm going to see if there's one thing I can do, and if I am able to free you. And no harm will come to me from you. Will you tell me more about the questions that you were seeking answers to? Yeah, man, if you get me out of here, I'll tell you anything you want to know. So as right even before he finishes this sentence, um, I uh, think back to, again, every flame I've ever witnessed, felt, and sensed in any capacity um, as I press my hands to the staff and uh, I'm going to cast... Uh, heat metal on the chains that are that are surrounding him. And as an addendum, again, if this works, or even if this spell has any kind of effect, because based on how those chains are glowing, I would imagine they may or may not, uh, I am then going to druidcraft uh, very hot, like very hard vines to sort of tear apart the chains uh, when they heat up to that point. And okay. also, uh, heat metal does do two d eight. The any creature attached does have to take two d eight of uh, of fire damage. So, I hope that this mage <laughs> isn't a uh, little spring chicken. <laughs> okay. Um, so, as these vines sort of wrap around and heat metal is cast, um, you can see that you can see there's like steam coming up. So it's it's getting hot but absolutely nothing is happening to the chains. Um, And as this mage is looking up at you, he goes, you're going to have to do better than that. Trust me, I've I've tried much better than that and nothing's happened. Well, if there's there's anything you can do to those chains while they're this hot uh, in conjunction, or perhaps you could tell me what your best... Hey, Shreya? Yeah, yes. Great to meet you. Xavier Willow Arch. Good to meet you, Shreya. Get these people out of here, all right? All right. Xavier, I hope you don't meet the same fate as the man I saw earlier today. And at this point, from down the hall, um, you see, or, or you don't see, you hear, again, um, the sort of clanking of metal um, as a couple of dwarven guards are coming down the hallway and um, they you can hear them say just before they see you alright prisoner transfer everyone oh, back shit. against the walls you got uh, alright let's see who we uh, shit Xavier Xavier Willow Arch alright come on we're moving you and at this point they're just about to round the corner as you and the rest of the people you are currently with are, I assume, dashing in the other direction. Yes, <laughs> as at the moment we hear them. Okay. Um, have and, we? Have uh, I heard? Have I touched? Have, do I know anything about the kids? Um, as you are dashing in the other direction, you can see the kids um, sort of coming back in the opposite direction, sort of doubling back and checking each cell once again. Um, but as soon as they see you guys all together, they run up give their mom a quick hug and then sort of pull all of you guys along to get back to the sewer. Uh, and as we round the corner, um, I say, wait, wait, wait. Uh, and uh, I want to wait until the moment that they take him out of the cell and then I really mess things up here. 
but um, yeah, I want to I want to extend my staff and cast um, fog cloud all the way down the hall. Where okay, where so they I'll are I'll sort of describe what goes on first. Um, okay. so they unlock the the initial cell door that they can sort of get into, but then once they get into the room with the chains, um, they start taking down the chains but he still stays locked in that exact same position. Now the the runes on the sort of collar that's around his neck, the braces that are around his arms, and the braces that are around his legs, the purple glows even more and more and more as they are continued to stay locked in place even as the chains are being taken down. Um, they take all the chains down that were locking him in place there, and um, as the last chain is released, he's sort of still locked in the exact same position, just sort of floats up about six inches off the ground. And then one of the dwarven guards comes around him and pushes on his back, and he sort of floats in air as he's pushing, as he's being pushed forward. So as wow. you're seeing that, as he's being exited from the cell, would you still like to cast Fog Cloud? Uh, no way. I don't know if that's going to help at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so they push him out and sort of push him still floating down the hall um, you guys make your way back to the um, the opening into the sewers is there anything you want to do before you hop back down there everyone else is hopping back down into the sewers uh, I want to extinguish the, the the pale moonlight that I've been carrying okay you extinguish that awesome um, so you guys all hop down into this um, narrow uh, tunnel and you guys start heading back towards the entrance um, at the front is um, the dwarven man who you had sort of uh, that you had helped escape and he's sort of running at a, at a fast pace he wants to get out of here when all of a sudden about halfway down the hallway he stops and he turns around and he goes you know I really can't have anyone knowing that I'm out of here this is really not going to be good for my family. I'm I'm... I'm sorry. As he lunges at you guys, um, the two kids and the mom sort of take a step back in the opposite direction and start running um, away from him. What would you like to do as he's lunging towards you guys? Uh, hold person. <laughs> okay. Um, so you cast hold person. Is that a save on his end? Yes. Okay, what's that, DC? That is a uh, 14. 14. That is a natural one. So he lunges at you. He cocks his fist back. And right as he's about to sort of turn his shoulder and throw his fist at you, he completely locks into place. Wow. All right. Uh, You've sealed your own fate, I'm afraid. And uh, we're going to keep escaping. Okay, how long does hold person last? Uh, the duration is uh, up to a minute. Up to a minute, okay. So you got him locked into place. It takes you a lot less than a minute to get out of this um, tunnel. But as you do, um, you find that ladder that you came down in. You pop up to the surface, and you use the same door that you had just opened. And you guys are now running along the city streets. Um 
they have kind of fallen back behind you. They're not quite as fast as you are. They're not quite keeping up, um, but they do seem to be following you. So where would you like to go? Uh, I would like to go to an area uh, that is tucked away from the hustle and bustle of the streets, but I would like to talk to them a little bit more. So I would like to maybe usher them into like an alley or something. Okay, so you you quickly find an alley between two buildings and uh, everyone stops and <sighs> takes a deep breath. And at this moment, they actually find a moment to embrace and the, the mother hugs uh, Belinda, Belinda and Holinard and sort of just takes them in her embrace. Ah, it's these types of moments I, I live for seeing. Uh. Thank you. Thank you so much. And at this point, the, the mother is now speaking up, and she reaches her hand out to give you just a handshake. And would you like to accept? Absolutely. Okay, as soon as you meet her hand, she like pulls you down to her level and throws her other arm around you and gives you this big hug. Oh, I'm happy to, happy to. With this kind of love that's shared between, between the three of you. Uh, I do have one question. Uh, did you ever speak to the that fellow that was near you? I think his name was... Xavier Willow something. Yeah, like, super powerful guy, but ever since they brought him in, he's been completely locked up. Um, he's He's been trying to cast different spells. He's been murmuring things under his breath. He's been, he's been trying to get out, but uh, you saw the chains. Yes. Uh, if he couldn't get out of them, I... I, uh... I know I probably couldn't either, but he is a very intriguing fellow. So what's next for the three of you? Well, probably get out of the city. Um, I mean, I don't think we'll be able to, to stay here for very long. I, honestly, we shouldn't have stayed here for as long as we did in the first place. Um, I think we we might actually head down to Gamble Deer and, you know, try and find some like-minded people who are still embracing the old gods. I think that's probably our next step. Well, I will say this. Uh, and uh, if you're on your way out, I would I would try to avoid the, the path that goes through Cold Crest that seems to uh, seems to have become a hot zone of late. Thank you. We're, yeah, we'll, we'll be sure to uh, to travel a bit south and, and see if we can find a good border crossing there. As for the reward, uh, we didn't even discuss uh, what that would actually be or any kind of amount, but uh, is that uh, still on the table? Oh, um, I'm assuming so. And she looks back to her kids and uh, Belinda um, walks back up to you and she says, oh, um, yeah, if you want to come back to the house oh we gotta grab it i mean we're gonna grab the rest of our stuff anyways as we're leaving but um yeah we, we can we've got like probably somewhere around 100 gold would that be okay that'd be fantastic i'll help you pack okay thank you and so they uh they take you out of this alleyway um you go through um some more sections of the city you actually walk through the temple district and walk past some of the temples um you could see 
these five different temples to different new gods and uh, different levels of activity going on in each of them. Um, and as you pass through there, you pass through more of a residential area and they take you to a um, little house sort of on a nice uh, little residential street, bring you inside. They start packing up their their things. Um, Belinda tells you to wait a moment she, as she runs upstairs. You can hear her upstairs uh, sifting through a bunch of stuff and she finally comes down with a sack of gold. And she said, I was, uh, I mean, saving up for a while. Um, we've got about, about 100 in here. I think it was 108 gold. Is that sufficient for you? Absolutely. Okay, here you go. You know what? I will graciously accept 75. Uh, keep the rest for your travels. Trust me, that's going to go a long way. Thank you. And she takes out and she gives you 75 gold pieces. Cool. And how much uh, had I grabbed from the table earlier? Uh, in the in the inn? Um... Let it was me like check. Around thirty or something, right? Yeah, it was. It was something like that. It was um, whatever your party had in total divided by five. Um, so I don't have that number with me right now, but uh, that's what it was. Awesome. Okay. Uh, from our from our previous combative encounter. Yes. Uh, great. Uh, is there anything else I can help with before uh, before I before I take my leave of you all? Uh, should I traverse with you to the edge of the city? Perhaps if someone tries to impede your way, I could cause some sort of a distraction for you. Yeah, um, and we've also, I think we've got an extra bag. Um, would you mind carrying? Absolutely. I can, I can give you another five gold to, to do this. I, uh, we just oh, no, need an no, extra hand. No, not necessary. I'm happy to, happy to do this. Oh, thank you. And as they're carrying their bags, and you carry one of their bags, um, you make your way through the city and to the edge of the city, and you see in front of you uh, another massive gate, um, fully open, but there are guards there letting people in and out in a very orderly fashion. Um, and they sort of look to you and they go, this part's going to be tricky. Um, got any suggestions? Ah. Uh... I think I might be able to handle this. I love causing chaos amongst this race of beings. Uh, and I quickly... Um, I am going to... Take off the ground. Uh, start flying in their direction. And... Hmm. What am I going to do? I am going to. Is this so? In this part of the gateway, um, how large is the gateway? Is it large enough to where if I were to direct a spell at like a side of it or close, like on either side of the gate, that it would like the source of it? If someone were to go check it out, would leave the area open? Like, how large is this gate? Um, they are like currently they're letting in three lines of people and they're letting out two lines of people. So I'd say it's about 25 to 30 feet wide. Oh, okay. So I am going to wander over to, well, fly over to one side of it 
and I am going to... Uh, are there any, like... Are there any other architectural elements on either side of the on either side of the gate? Um, yeah, so it's it looks to be like um, a pretty much like a huge portcullis type gate, um, but there is some like stone carvings on either side. Um, there is a pillar on either side. Um, that's pretty much it. So I'm going to go around to the side of the pillar to where I can't be seen by anyone at the gate. Okay. And I am going to direct a thunder wave toward that pillar. Okay. Um, all right. Just roll your damage. All right. Um, so that's a 15-foot cube uh, with the pillar in the center of it. Um, as I tap the crystal to my head and channel the uh, lightning and thunder and stormy uh, maelstrom uh, that sometimes visited my ancestral mountains... I direct that energy from that memory, pull it down from the environment around me and channel it through the crystal as a, a wave of thunderous force, uh, shock waves out from the center of that pillar. 15 foot cube, um, everyone around that area must take a, a constitution saving throw. Failed save is 2d8 damage. Okay, so if it's at the pillar, I'm gonna have you just roll your 2d8. Okay, great. Four and three. Seven. Seven. Um, okay, so the uh, pillar that you cast it at begins to crack and crumble and shake. And as this massive boom roars forth from you, um, the pillar doesn't quite fall over as it's this massive stone pillar, but um, it definitely just shakes everything around you. And you can see all of the dwarven guards that were right there. Um, look over in that direction. What was that? Right. Oh, go, go, go take a look. Go take a look. As a couple of the guards sort of walk up towards the pillar. Um, at this point, you look over and you can see the halfling family as the mom looks at the son, looks at the daughter, and goes, okay, run, go, go, go. As they <laughs> sprint with their bags out the gate and you can see just... Um, just a little bit too late, the guards turn around to see them sprinting out, and you can hear, no, wait, no, 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 come back. Uh, oh, crap. <laughs> As the halflings then run off into the distance, over a hill, off in the distance, and they are gone out of sight. Godspeed, little ones. Okay. As you watch them flee off into the distance, you look out over the city and you can sort of pinpoint where you're at. You kind of remember back to the map and you remember where the inn was and you slowly fly back, sort of taking in the surroundings around you and you can see the park up ahead uh, uh, up ahead of you. You can see the militarized zone of the city off to your right and you come to a slow perch right at the front of the inn. And with that, you walk up the stairs as the day is coming to a close. You walk down the hallway. You can see the windows on your left. The sun from the, the sunlight from the setting sun is just beginning to pour in. And you open the door and you see Kalex standing there. And with that, that is where we're going to end today's session. Oh, man. We're going to call it right there. 
I want to tell a, him about everything, though. <laughs> you'll oh, trust me, you'll get it. You'll get the chance. All right. Um, but with a bit of a prison break from Shreya, that <laughs> is where we're going to call it. Thank you all so much for listening, and we can't wait to see y'all again next week. Bye, nerds. Bye, nerds. Hey, everyone. Uh, this is well. This is Cameron. Uh, I play Shreya. Hope you all enjoyed following Shreya on his uh, grand day out, as it were. I just wanted to thank you all for listening again. And, uh, you know, be sure to check us out on our social media channels. Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We also got Reddit and YouTube and TikTok. If you like the show, be sure to show us some love. Liking, subscribing, commenting helps more people like yourselves maybe find us for the first time. Also, you can support us on Patreon. If you would, that'd be awesome. Uh, it's what helps make the podcast possible. Um, so I just want to thank you all for uh, for listening again. And uh, see you the next time that the light touches the earth. Or the moon touches the land. Bye, nerds.